All right, all things deadlift. That's today's episode, basically. A deadlift kind of day. His, you know what? This is perfect because I actually deadlifted yesterday night as part of a uh, an assault bike deadlift combo, and it kicked my butt. Oh, <laughs> so sure. I'm yeah, ready. yeah. When people think of Adrian Bosman, they think of the deadlift. That's right. Yep. I'm just, uh, <laughs> it's my best lift. It always has been. It's the one that I enjoy the most. Uh, so, yes. You know, when we were kind of piecing the show together, as simple as the deadlift is, there's a lot of topics. And I know, actually, I'll just list what we intend on covering right now. Yeah. Touch and go <clears> deadlifts, <throat> a couple different types of dead stop deadlifts, one where you maintain tension, one where you intentionally let it go and then regain it, deficit deadlifts, sumo deadlifts, trap bar deadlifts, and then dropping from the top. So all deadlifts, all wonderful ways to pull from the ground, but each a little bit different. But I have a feeling you're going to agree with me on this, but I'm going to say it. I'm going to beat you to the punch. Okay. What I think is important about this is I personally get turned off immediately and don't like when somebody asks something like, well, what's the right one? Mm, meaning yes. meaning that the other Completely ones are wrong. Agree. If you're doing the other ones, you're not doing the good deadlifts yeah. and I'm doing the good deadlifts over here. It's like a nice steak dinner, Pat, you know? Do you want a ribeye? Do you want a filet? Do you want a, uh, a prime rib? You know, I you would say all lose. of those are phenomenal options. You, but, can't, uh, you can't lose. <laughs> the important thing is that you're eating steak for dinner. Yeah, uh, exactly. So I, I think that's the, the takeaway. Um, so yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that people get in this weird either or mentality with so many things that are related to training. And to my mind, it's so unnecessary because there's rarely this desert island scenario where you're going to be forced to choose one or the other. Mm-hmm. It's like, and, well, what's, what are you trying to train for? That's a better question because then you yes. can kind of tailor towards that. But And at the end of the day, you're deadlifting. Yes, exactly. That's the important thing. The important thing is that that is part of your training diet. It's a win. Absolutely. It's a win. So, yep. so the purpose of this show is not so much to pass judgment on one or another, but to hopefully get a whole bunch of information out there that well, maybe you find one benefits you more than another. Except for the sumo deadlifters. We'll judge those guys all day long. That's a, that's a joke. That's like, darn, darn trap like a, bar a, deadlift people. That's a raging debate within the powerlifting community is, you know, the legitimacy of the sumo deadlift. But anyway. Handling the big issues. Yeah. Oh, we, another thing we could throw in there is does it matter the style of deadlift that you do if it's a traditional, traditional classic heavy day or are you doing it as part of a you know, metabolic condition, like Diane, sure. you know, are you doing Diane yep. or are you doing a five by five deadlift? Should I vary what I'm doing then? So we've got a whole bunch of different areas to go, but let's start with defining our terms and okay. I can take it or you can take <clears throat> it. So let's go somebody who maybe is sort of unfamiliar with deadlifting. When we're talking about touch and go deadlifts, what are we talking about and why would they be beneficial to an athlete? Okay, so a touch and go deadlift is where you're going to do multiple reps in a row without ever truly putting the weight down. So after your first lift, you're gonna keep your hands on the bar, you'll touch the ground but not fully relax or fully load the bar back on the ground and continue doing your reps until the set's done. So that's in direct contrast to a dead stop at the beginning of each rep. Yeah, the bar touches the ground, but just just for the briefest of moments, you know, until yeah. it goes back up. And I think 
I personally would like to make a, there's certainly multiple ways to do it, but a delineation that touch and go deadlifts, it means just what you said. In my mind, it doesn't mean recklessly bouncing and trying to murder the earth with the, the, <laughs> yeah. with the barbell, you know, and shaking your torso from head to head to toe and, you know, doing it so aggressively that your arms are bending, your posture might change on every one, like by its very nature, that might be deserving of a bad reputation. And that's, and that's Absolutely. not, that's not how I would encourage anybody to do a touch and go deadlift. Touch and go should not imply being reckless and it should not imply any degradation of form. It just means as soon as those plates under control touch the ground, we're going right back up into the next rep, yep. period, end of story. Yep, and so the benefit of, of a technique like that, in my opinion, is the stamina that it can help to develop because the muscles that are re responsible for lifting the weight never really get a break. They're on tension from the time the set starts to the time the set ends if you're doing it in, in the manner that you just described. If you're bouncing like crazy and you're deliberately trying to gain advantage that way, well, that's a different story, but we're not really talking about that. We've established that. Um, so yeah, I think the primary benefit is one of stamina. You, you learn how to get tight and stay tight until that set's done. Mm -hmm. So huge benefit there. And I would say there's some benefits to, you might've said this, I'm sorry if you did, I was looking down at my notes. Grip strength, you're never letting go oh, of the yeah. bar. Some people who do dead stop will say, well, that's that's a wash because I'm still gripping the bar just as tight depending upon the type of dead stop. So that, that could be open for interpretation or debate. Small potatoes as far as I'm concerned. Uh, increased time under tension, especially if, if you're not dropping the barbell from the top every rep. Like you said, you're staying yep. loaded the entire time through both the concentric and the eccentric portion. You're getting the eccentric portion, which if you did drop from yep. the top every time, you're not getting that that part as well. And yeah, anyone who has done touch and go deadlifts in something like Diane, for example, a 21.59 of a, of a deadlift in the handstand pushup, knows that even though it is a weightlifting movement, it can become very metabolically taxing. And so there yep. is a way to develop some actual conditioning Absolutely. Uh, with well, the and barbell. And I'll riff on that as well, that, um, you know, if you talk to people, Stuart McGill is, is one that comes to mind. He's a very famous, uh, you know, specialist of the spine and spinal mechanics. And he talks a lot about differentiating between postural muscles that are responsible for maintaining a position and muscles that are responsible for respiration. Mm. And so a lot of times people don't consider there to be a difference. It's like, well, my abs and my erectors, they're going to both stabilize and be as part of that respiration cycle. Maybe not the erectors so much, but you can see how the abs, you know, are going to mm -hmm. interact with that, that system. And his point is that when you are training for sport, you don't have that luxury of cycling naturally between now I'm respirating and now I'm bracing for load. You have to be able to do both and you have to learn how to manage that. And so a technique like a touch and go deadlift, I don't want to put words in, you know, somebody like Stuart right. McGill's mouth. I don't think that he might make the inference that that would be a valuable way to train that. But I will be comfortable saying that done correctly, it's a great way to learn how to maintain posture while breathing and having to navigate both of those scenarios at the same time. Well, that was another point on touch and goes that depending upon what camp you're in, because Lord knows these camps are just, sure. they're just entrenched in whatever camp they're in is correct, that 
some proponents of the touch and go, you mentioned sport in your previous statements, said that the benefits of staying under tension the entire time, benefiting from the stretch reflex, that it does lend itself better to athletic pursuits. And of course, then you have some other folks that are you know, quite opposed to it. But it may kind of go down that path that you were just talking about there with, with the uh, inference of sports and some benefits there. So yeah. touch well, and go. Uh, le- oh, go ahead. Le- let, me, let me use that kind of idea of sport to segue into dead stop. Is that where you're going next? Well, I was just going to say that touch and go is traditionally what you will see the overwhelming majority of the time, I feel comfortable saying this, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel comfortable saying you will say touch and go deadlifts done the overwhelming majority of the time in CrossFit, whether it's something hmm. like Diane yeah. or it's a five by five deadlift. Yeah, I would agree with that. Most I think of the that's time. That's kind of the, the default. For and the it doesn't part. mean that it's right or wrong. It's just what you see. So now hopefully we open the chapters to some other styles of deadlift and people can enjoy them. But when, if I'm going to do something like Diane, I'm going to do it as touch and go. And I've started exploring other variations on my classic heavy days and I've been really enjoying it. So now we, let's go to wherever it is you were going to take it. Yeah, so dead stop I think is kind of the natural counterpart to touch and go. And so in that sense, you're going to train every rep as if it is a single. So every time the bar touches the ground, you're going to let it settle, let the entire weight of the bar rest back on the ground. Um, before you pick that thing back up. So there's usually a bit of a beat or a cadence that you're gonna take. Mm -hmm. Um, And what it requires you to do is generate maximal tension from the hardest part of the lift. And you know, most people, I'm definitely in this camp, you know, I find that the first rep of a set is the hardest rep. And then once I have the benefit, yeah, once I have the benefit of that eccentric, that can help me on the subsequent reps, but you don't get that Mm -hmm. advantage when you're doing a dead stop set. And so your point about athletics, uh, there's absolutely a point to be made that the dead stop can be a huge benefit for certain types of athleticism. So for example, if you need to be able to generate tension throughout the body, you know, quickly and in a coordinated fashion, doing that every rep can be a real benefit to learning how to do that, especially if you have a sport that demands a lot of, you know, full effort from a dead stop type of position. Uh, you know, I could think of like a, a, maybe a football player starting on the line or something like that, you know, over and over and over again, mm-hmm. that could be a huge benefit um, from training something like a dead stop. Uh, another benefit there is if you know you have a bit of self-knowledge about where the weaker part of the lift is for you. And I'm, again, using myself as reference. I know that if I can break the bar off the ground and get it past the middle of my shin, I'll Mm -hmm. finish the lift. Right. You know, like the strong part of the lift is once I get like to my knees and above, I got it, no problem. But breaking it off the floor is where I'm gonna fail. So it should follow that if I really want to improve that, that's where I'm gonna have to spend some time is practicing, not avoiding, breaking the bar off of the floor. So for me, when I'm approaching this as a strength training exercise, I should, in all likelihood, prioritize a dead stop style of training because I know that's where my weak point lies. <laughs> right. It's not what I like to do because it's right. where my weakness is, yep. but it's probably going to have a bigger benefit to me continuing to advance my max effort on the, on the dead. 100%. And I would say there's two different types of dead stops that we're going to talk about. And the one I think we're talking about here is when you 
you maintain tension the entire time. You don't intentionally relax your midline, relax your musculature, but you do rest, as you're saying, the barbell on the ground, you know, for a one, 1,000, two, 1,000 before you pull again to yep. take, you don't get advantage of any momentum whatsoever. You don't get advantage of that stretch, stretch, uh, stretch reflex. And just like you said, one of the largest benefits of the dead stop deadlift while maintaining tension is that first pull off the ground. As you yep. said, so many people find it the hardest part. I do as well. It's where a lot of people need to work. And if so, if you fall into that camp, then the dead stop deadlift while maintaining tension will be a tremendous friend to you because yep. you get to develop that position and that strength and that pull off the ground. And it also forces you for a moment to just do a little sanity check and make sure that posturally that your positioning, that your start position is good to go. Because while yep. on a touch and go, as I said before, nothing about it should be reckless, nothing about it should be whatever, but even if you have a bit of a less than ideal start position, for lack of a better way to say it, it may go unnoticed as boing, the bar hits the ground, it comes, it came right back up again, good, it came right back up, and your, and your position might change a little bit from rep to rep because there's just this continuous motioning motion happening, whereas on the dead, dead stop, you get this brief moment to just do a, a head-to-toe check again and say, yes, I am exactly how I want to be before I pull this next rep. So not only do you get the benefit of uh, strengthening that first pull off the ground, breaking the barbell free of the ground, but also just make sure that your starting position is as rock solid. And as often as you can do that, hopefully you're developing you know, good mechanics and good behavior that will transfer over down the line should you do uh, touch and goes down the road. The yep. dead stop deadlift while maintaining tension, and we'll talk about releasing it here in a second. I've been playing with those recently on my heavy days for probably the last, at least the last year, if not like the last year or two. And I've been, you know, deadlifting, I didn't deadlift prior to CrossFit. So I've been deadlifting for 16 years and for the last two years, um, changing it up a bit. But after 16 years, I mean, I know what my ones, threes, fives are. And they're so different. You know, my mm -hmm. five by five deadlift is an entirely different day dead stop compared to touch and go. And and I choose those words specifically. It's not a better day. It's just a different day. The loading yep. in the barbell is a little bit different. Uh, where it hits me is a little bit different. And if for nothing else, it's brought some variance to some lifts that I've been doing for years and that variance is not only good for my athleticism and, and fitness improvements, but it just keeps things fresh. It keeps things interesting. Mm -hmm. It makes me look forward to going back into the gym as, as, as much as, as possible. And so I have really, and I get my touch and go deadlifts plenty. You know, when, sure. when couplets and triplets pop up, I get my touch and go there. So those aren't being neglected, but now I get the added variance of the dead stops. And man, they've been, they've been wonderful. Weights feel different. Let's put it that way. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting. I've um, I've dealt with back issues in the past, and uh, I've varied the style of pull that I've done quite a bit, and alternated between dead stop and touch and go, <clears throat> uh, up to and including within the same five by five session, alternating okay. sets. So set one would be dead stop, set two would be touch and go, etc. How dare you! I know, right? Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's funny because at different phases of my back being either healthy or, you know, injured, different things would feel better. 
you know, it, it's not always intuitive which one is going to be best for you if you're in a situation like that. So that's another kind of tool in the quiver if you are coming back from an injury or, you know, you're building back up after a layoff. Sometimes you have to fiddle around a little bit and, and find out what is going to be best for your body that day. And I've been surprised sometimes where I walk in and I'm like, man, I think it's definitely going to be in my best interest to do touch and go because I can maintain my position. Mm -hmm. But I get started with a set and it just doesn't feel right. And I switch to the dead stop and I'm like, oh, this feels way better for where I am today. So it's, it's good to be familiar with both. If for no other reason, then you can cater to what your body is asking of you that day. And the nice thing that you said that might be so normal to people in the CrossFit space as to not even raise an eyebrow, but might get the attention of somebody uninitiated to, to functional movements is, you mentioned in, two, two, in the same sentence that you had some sort of back issue or injury, and so you were deadlifting. Where, ah, most, yeah. people, where most people assume, <laughs> well, that must have been what happened. It's like, no, Adrian's actually doing it as a rehabilitative, strengthening, yeah. healing lift for, for the sure. back. How shocking is that? So, yeah. Yeah, deadlift. absolutely. Yeah, for you, sure. And, and, you know, to be clear, when I've dealt with those issues in the past, it's not like I'm going to load up to my previous one rep and be like, well, hopefully this is going to cure me. <laughs> That's right, not exactly. the approach at all. But as a therapeutic lift, it can be awesome if you approach it like the tool it is you know start out slow make sure it's it's being used as intended which is as a postural uh, mm -hmm. strengthening and and kind of a, a coordination reinforcing mechanism anyway i'll i'll jump into the next one which is okay. the dead stop then releasing and regaining tension and i'll yeah easily say it's it's everything that the dead stop deadlift we just mentioned is in which you're maintaining tension it has all of those benefits but the added benefit and the added challenge is you are intentionally as it states releasing tension what that means when i do it anyway i'll do a, a deadlift pick it up off the ground uh, lower it back down once i lower it i'll let go of the bar i'll stand up straight and then i'll bend back down and, and have to regrip the bar again get tension in my hamstrings, tension in my midline, the whole the whole deal. So now not only am I having to do that that first tough pull over and over again on each set, but I'm also having to just get head to toe tight again, which you didn't have to do on the previous dead stop. So it's almost like a, an even more challenging version of that. And just another part of variance, and I I really enjoy them. Because not only now, again, same benefits as previously, breaking it off the ground, giving you a beat to make sure that you are in a good start position and all that. But now, if you do struggle with getting getting that tension before you lift, well, you're going to have opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to actually do it properly. And I've found them, I've found them again, wonderfully challenging. Let me put it that way. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, only thing I would add to that is. You really have to know yourself. You think if you're going to um, adopt that technique, and what I mean by that is like somebody who's really new to deadlifting and still doesn't quite have the body awareness to be consistent with their position, mm. that might open the door for too much kind of variance sure. of where they might end up. And so for like a, a staunch beginner, I don't know that I'd recommend that as a technique. You don't want to get said, in a totally different position every time. Exactly. 
Yeah, that being said, if you're if you're a beginner and you have like an external eye on you, like a coach or somebody that's watching you and can help you kind of give give some feedback as to your consistency, I think it can be a great tool because now what you're doing is basically getting reps of how do I go from a poor position or a, a, an unset position to a set position. And the more often you do that correctly, the faster you're going to get used to it and just make it second nature. So... If you're a rank beginner working on your own, I'd say, you know, just proceed with caution. If you're a rank beginner and you've got somebody to help you through that process, it can be great. And I really hope that some folks listening to this give them a try because people love the deadlift as it is. Probably one of the most beloved lifts in the world. You get to go heavy. You don't have to go (laughs) below parallel. And now there's a whole new world out there for you to continue to challenge yourself with. And you'll get really great benefit from it as well because of that incredible part of CrossFit called variance. And so now if you've always done your ones, threes, and fives the same, you can still have a classic heavy day, but you can actually make it different. So it's gonna be fantastic. I will now toss to you the next one, the sumo deadlift. Yeah, buddy. Um, Sumo deadlift is great. I think that you got to look at context in so many things. Um, in the powerlifting world, you know, people are going to try to maximize their leverage to put the most weight on the bar because that's what the competition is about. And so depending on your body type and your limb lengths, it can make more sense uh, for certain body types to lift in a fashion where their legs are going to be wider than their arms and their torso can remain more upright. You know, that just creates better leverage for them. For other people, it's going to be the opposite. The conventional offers a better advantage. Um, all that being said, I think if we expand that context to a general fitness application, the benefit to learning how to lift in a different position is that it gives you a chance to practice the universal aspects of the lift in a slightly different detailed setting. And so what I mean by that is if you're going to do a conventional deadlift or a sumo deadlift, there are certain principles that are going to remain the same, even though some of the details look differently. Mm-hmm. So for example, your basic spinal alignment is going to remain the same even though the angle of the torso is slightly different or maybe significantly different. Uh, The bar path is going to remain the same even though the way the setup looks is going to be different. The basic um, coordination of the musculature to get that weight off the ground, you know, driving with the hips and the legs as opposed to just trying to yank it off the bar or off the ground with your back, that is still going to be the same. And so if you learn how to take those big key concepts and apply them with a narrow grip, wide grip, narrow stance, wide stance, you're going to be that much more prepared when you set you know, yourself outside the gym. Uh, I'll give you a perfect example. I just moved and you know, I had some movers helping me get furniture up the stairs and stuff and I'm in the mix with them. It's not always the case that you can just perfectly set up with your feet under right. your hips and your hands outside of your legs and this beautiful deadlift position and now I pick up the couch and off you go. No, it's often that you're going to have to take a bit of a staggered stance or a wider stance or a narrow grip. So the question becomes, how skillful am I at preserving these universal concepts even when I'm not in the position that I might desire, you know, as my ideal? So I think that's one of the hidden benefits of, of practicing the sumo deadlift, even if it isn't going to be, quote, right for your body type meaning it doesn't offer you that huge mechanical advantage uh, that might you know result in a bigger number. Mm-hmm. 
And you mentioned it as, as part of the dialogue that you just had. It was sprinkled in there, but it wasn't specifically stated. So I'll say it here. Maybe somebody's listening or watching totally unfamiliar with the sumo deadlift. And so what I would say is if you want to visualize it. If you picture the traditional deadlift, your hands are wider than your feet. You know, your, 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 yep. you have your feet, your legs, you know, hip to shoulder width stance, and then your hands are outside of that. The opposite is true in the sumo deadlift high pull. Your feet are wide, your hands are narrow. Excuse me, a sumo deadlift. Yeah. Your hands, your hands are narrow, your feet are wide, and so it's a it's a markedly different stance. And other things, you know, generally, and this is not always the case, as you mentioned, but generally, people can usually lift more. All things being equal with a sumo deadlift, it shortens the range of motion a little bit. As you said, people might find it. Um, friendlier on their back, shall we say, because especially if somebody is very tall or has a long torso, it, it might be uh, a bit yeah. a, a bit kinder on the back, comfortable for those athletes. S- detractors might say, well, if that's all you do, it doesn't translate to something like the barbell clean. And so, you know, you're getting a potentially a limited application there. Again, no value judgment. It, just, it is a, a, certainly a different position. But you mentioned it, the real life application as well, that maybe somebody is listening to this and they're a regular CrossFitter and they're like, yeah, I, that's great, but I don't, I hear what you guys are saying, but I don't do sumo deadlifts. You might and you not even realize that if you do uh, medicine ball cleans, you're doing a sumo deadlift to some degree. Your feet are wider than your hands. If you're picking up a sandbag and doing ground to shoulder, You've got your you're straddling yeah. the sandbag, you're it, straddling the D ball, and that lift even is a very like a uh, like a kettlebell swing. Mm, you know, sure, has a right. Lot of similarities to the sumo deadlift. Yep, yep. So there's so there are other applications as well. But um, you said uh, I can't remember if the camera was on or not on before when you said <laughs> that it's hotly debated in the powerlifting community. Yes, or, absolutely. Dirty that, cheaters, the sumo deadlifters. Now, no. I, <laughs> I shouldn't say that, but yeah, it, it's it's worth uh, playing around with from time to time. And I think that again, if we're viewing this through the lens of the generalist, you know, somebody who's a CrossFit enthusiast, you should at least part of the time uh, sprinkle in both, get exposed to both. And I will say that's one lift that I have played with very, very little outside mm-hmm. of what we just mentioned of. D-ball, sandbag, like that kind of thing. Yep. But actually, like, hey, on my ones, threes, or fives, I'm going to do sumo today. Uh, I'll be honest with myself. I can't tell you the last time that I did that. So that tells me I should probably play with it a bit more. Yep. Okay. The next one. We're making good time down the list here. The next one, we have the deficit deadlift. Ooh, one of my favorites. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm a big fan of uh, changing the height of the pull. You know, I think people forget that it's relatively arbitrary, the bar height. I mean, it's just because sure. those are the standardized plates that have become competition standard, but by no means means that that is like based well, on anything particularly anatomically. Well, you said you just flawless. moved. You said you just moved, you know, one home to another. Everything you had to pick up off the ground was mid shin height, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just right in the middle. And it was perfectly Perfect. balanced as well. Yeah. Every time, perfectly. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think the deficit um, and going the other way too, like if you extend the, the height of the pull to like a pin pull or a rack pull, you can mm-hmm. increase the absolute weight that you're exposed to that way really sure. nicely. Um, the deficit usually is going to result in less weight lifted. Uh, and interestingly, if you have people that are dealing with hip impingement or uh, hamstring issues, you know, maybe they have a pulled hamstring from, from uh, injury like way in their past 
and it's resulted in some, you know, scar tissue or, or limited uh, kind of tissue pliability. It, sometimes they'll report that they have kind of like a feeling of a, a catch in their hamstring. Hmm. Depending on where you start in the deadlift can aggravate or, or have less effect on that condition. So, you know, you might play around with that starting point and somebody who's got an uncomfortable setup in the traditional plates on the ground height raise that up or down two or three inches in either direction, you can find a spot that doesn't aggravate that condition and they can deadlift comfortably. Um, you know, so it's, it's it, for no other reason than that, uh, it can be a really, really beneficial training tool. Mm-hmm. Um, again, for, for people that have a little bit of self-knowledge and you know where your weak point of the lift is, well, that's another huge way right. to train through that. You know, I know that my deficit pull is weak for the same reason that my uh, dead stop is weak. I have a hard time breaking the bar off the ground. So deficit training is hugely beneficial for me for that reason. And a simple way, you know, in your garage to do some deficit training is people will stand on a 45 pound plate, for yep, example. Exactly. Just put that under your feet, gives you a couple inches of, uh, of you know, elevating your feet off the ground, therefore making for a longer pull, increases the yep. range of motion. And just be, like you said, breaking the bar off the ground it's another great way to just develop that strength you know in a different way the benefits of variance but also just be cautious and aware of even that change of a couple inches depending upon if you're a flexible athlete or a tight athlete it can make maybe you have a great setup position on a traditional deadlift and then you stand on 145 pound plate got to reach down a little further and you're struggling to get your spine into a position that you would be happy with deadlifting. That might not be the case, but just be aware of it. You know, check out yourself, get somebody, somebody else's eyes on you. But it will, it will force. It's another thing that once again will force you to be very posturally aware of how you're breaking and, that bar off the ground. And that's a hidden benefit: is that it demands greater flexibility, mm-hmm. you know, greater joint mobility, um, and so extending that range of motion a little bit can put a real challenge on on all of those things and that's one of those kind of hidden benefits that people don't consider as often you know and another way that you can if you don't have something to stand on which you can always find something but let's say you can't another way that people play around with a kind of a pseudo deficit is to use a snatch grip and i mean there's obviously oh, sure. be different benefits to that as well you're going to have a lot more um, work for the upper back to do to kind of stabilize the bar and keep it in a good lifting position uh, but that also widening your hands out, maybe even wider than you would snatch, but going further intentionally, that is going to have a similar effect to a deficit pull. And many of these things, the deficit deadlifts, the dead stop deadlifts or whatnot, all of them ideally are leading to you having a stronger deadlift overall. And this is certainly sure. something that can help. It's not a deficit deadlift, but you, when you mentioned the the snatch grip, like going very wide with your hands, it puts something in my head and I don't know the okay. name of it and maybe you will. There's a wonderful human being who's head to toe very strong. His name is Curtis Bowler. Ah, yes. <laughs> lives, lives in the great state of Washington. Is he still, is he like one of the oldest affiliates? He's the, the oldest at this point. He, he has the oldest running affiliate in the CrossFit universe. It was so Rainier cool. CrossFit? Yep. Yeah, oldest running affiliate in the, in the world. Curtis Bowler, fantastic person. Yeah. Loves the strongman stuff. And he yep. did some deadlift, and I can't remember the name of it, but he went really wide with his hands, 
and pinched the plates yep. instead of grabbing the barbell. If you can picture that, pinch the plates from the top so the grip strength is through the roof. And he stood up like 340 pounds or something like that, pinching the plate. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember the name of that lift, but Curtis yeah. Bowler's not somebody you want him to get his bear paws on. You just crush your windpipe. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, let's see. Uh, I will find out the name of that lift and what Curtis's numbers were potentially for the next show. All right. All right. I feel like we're rounding the bend here. We are. I think this is the last topic other than okay. dropping from the top. The last one I have here on my list to cover is the trap bar deadlift. Yes. Trap bar deadlift is great. I, uh, I think that, you know, it's a bit of a specialty piece of equipment. Um, so maybe it won't be as common in certain facilities or certainly within a garage gym. I think that's probably one of the pieces of equipment you'd probably buy later mm-hmm. just because it doesn't have as much utility as something like a barbell. Um, but if, if you have one or there's one available to you, it can be really useful because the basic idea of the deadlift is you're learning to push the earth away from you. And that is really highlighted with the trap bar deadlift. You don't have to worry so much about the bar path. Mm-hmm. It's, it's arguably a little bit less of a technical lift. The bar, right. the weight can be centered truly over the middle of your center of gravity through right. the entirety of the lift. And so it becomes really about the coordinated effort of driving into the floor with your hips and legs. Um, and so for a lot of people, you can end up overloading the trap bar deadlift heavier than you can the conventional deadlift. So it has a lot of utility that way. Yeah, 100%. It seems like some folks can lift more. I, I don't have a lot of exposure yep. to it. Many, many, many years ago, like back in the Globo Gym days I did, but since, you know, in my garage, I don't have one. Therefore, I never, I never use it. But uh, yeah, some people also believe it might be able to reduce a little bit of the back stress since, the, since as you mentioned, the barbell isn't so much in front of the body, but the plates are yep. directly, you know, splitting your center of base right there. And some people will also not just use it for a deadlift day, but you could intentionally make your setup position a bit squatty and mm-hmm. use it to work that sort of more of a, a squatting motion, if you will, even though the bar is not you know, you had the weight in your hands, but you can you can modify your start position since you don't have to deal with the bar path like you do on a traditional deadlift. There's a yeah. little bit of a, a playroom there. And maybe if somebody did want to say, well, what could be a potential downfall of it? You could make an argument that not having to deal with the bar path maybe doesn't have your uh, your brain switched on as much as it might if you did have to deal with the bar path and what's happening with your knees and the line of action. And then it obviously doesn't translate to the clean if you're not paying attention to that as well. But none of those things are to say that it doesn't have tremendous value and have its place. Yeah. And, you know, depending on your circumstance, some people like it for that reason. It's a little bit easier to learn for, sure. for the details you just pointed out. And so if you have like a, like a high school sports team or something like that, where you have limited time to get everybody, you know, in, in the same position and lifting or whatever, it could be a real benefit because there's less emphasis on the technical aspects of it and you can get right down to work. However, I do think that that kind of mindset, you can fall off the cliff with it. And then next thing you know, you're dumbing everything down and technique gets thrown to the side as kind of a non-essential. So you just kind of have to weigh that out, but you know, if you're time crunched and you've got a bunch of new lifters, it can be a, a nice 
easy introduction that might be a little less time consuming. So, And we only have one more topic to cover. That's dropping from the top. But before we do, I would just like to say, also bear in mind, this list is not exhaustive. You know, there are, oh, yeah. there are plenty more, of more, more ways to, uh, yeah, to deadlift. But these will yep. certainly give you enough information to get the old noodle going and, and have a good time with the barbell. So dropping from the top, you know, what's funny is sometimes I hear this a question about this phrase in a way that I don't like how the questions phrase because they'll say something like, "Oh, does it still count if I drop it from the top?" And it's like, well, "What does that mean? Are you in a yeah. are you in a powerlifting competition? Are you in your garage? Does it matter in either? Like, what what, what are you talking yeah. about?" So, thoughts and feelings dropping from the top. Um, yeah, I think it's context specific. Uh, I think if you're using a dead stop style lift, a drop from the top can be an easy way to achieve that because you just you have to reset every time. Mm -hmm. So it, it can be good on that. Um, conversely, though, there's a lot of evidence out there to suggest that the eccentric or like the, the lowering portion of the lift is where the majority of muscular strength and growth is going to occur. So eliminating that intentionally all the time might have some, some drawbacks. Um, now, as far as like the legitimacy of it, yeah, it totally depends. If you're just in your garage going for it, well then fine, you get it to the top. I, I think it's fair to say if it's a PR attempt, if you get it to the top, you will return it down to the floor. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know that you need to, I don't know that you need to be too uh, caught up about that if it's if it's a heavy set and that's your intent is to try to max out or whatever. Um, if you're looking for the training benefit of learning how to control that eccentric and the benefits that come with that, then yeah, you should include it. Um, so all that to say, both definitely have a place. I would say the default is that you should be comfortable lowering the bar as a default. And then, you know, the drop from the top is one of those things that in certain uh, specific scenarios, it just makes sense to do so. Like I said, mm -hmm. a max out makes sense. Um, but you like your normal set, probably not so much. I mean, if you watch any world record deadlift, once it gets to the top, that lift is over, baby. I mean, they're- yeah, Well, know, actually, they're... and. But sometimes that's not true, depending on the, the federation and depending on oh, okay, you know, okay. where that lift is happening. A lot of times there's rules that, you know, your hands have to remain on the bar until it's back to the floor. Uh, at least control so, the bar on the way down. Yeah, huh? exactly. Gotcha, so gotcha. It, it depends. Whether you're, whether you're lowering it with all of your musculature or just controlling yeah, exactly. it on the down. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Kind of arbitrary. But yeah, a lot of times the drop from the top is, is frowned upon in like powerlifting competition. Uh, so it's kind of like when you, when you do the Olympic lifting competition, once they lock it out overhead, they have to guide it back down exactly. to the ground. Yep. Yep. So, so. if somebody sent me two videos uh, doing Diane and one of them, they got a, a five minute Diane, which would be wonderful. And they touch yep. and go to every deadlift. And another one was a five minute Diane and they dropped every deadlift from the top and reached back Ooh. down and picked it up real quick. Uh, and their question was, is one of these, does one of these two count and does one of these, you know, not count? My question would, my, my answer would be, they both count just fine. You just chose to do yeah. it one way or you chose to do it another way. And, and I would say, just like any other variation, just make a notation of how you did that. And then when you compare times, compare apples to apples. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the next time you do a drop from the top, Diane compare it to your same time. Don't, don't try to cross the stream, so to speak. Treat them, treat them as their own entity. They're within the same realm, but you know, give them their own headspace. 100%. Anything else to add about the deadlift? 
No, I think that's uh, pretty good. I think we should do a series of these, Pat, and we can explore some differences in squat styles and overhead lift styles. And Yeah. I would say, and, and again, hopefully that knowledge helps you. The most important thing is that you're just doing the darn deadlift, no matter what exactly. style you choose to do, or if it's a regular bar or a trap bar. And as we say at the end of every episode, Adrian and I, we read the comments. So if you're listening to this in an audio format, thank you so much. Um, try to get over to the BTWB YouTube channel, post a comment if you enjoyed the episode, if you have different thoughts, uh, maybe a, you've got a favorite style that we neglected to talk about, ideas for new episodes, throw them in there. We'll probably do another mailbag show sometime in the future based upon user-submitted feedback. So yeah, it's good stuff. So for Adrian Bosman, I'm Pat Sherwood. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next time.